Can I start with that? A nice little <laughs> laugh right it. Yeah. I guess I better send this on silence. Welcome, everyone, to the Bible Fellowship Church podcast. Today is a special episode because we have a guest. Uh, I'll be hosting uh, Pastor Jeremy, our usual host. Pastor Craig is away this week. And so I've got a guest with us, May Sari, who is a uh, Bible Fellowship Church member and somebody who I've known now for, I don't know, a while, almost 10 years, I guess. It goes yeah, back probably. quite a ways, something like that. Um, and so, May, I don't want to give away too much at the beginning. I'd rather you be the one to share. So can you just tell the people who are listening, those of them especially who, who don't know who you are, um, kind of who you are and uh, what it is your area of expertise is? Sure. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, it's great to be here. Um, like he said, my name is May Sari and my, I kind of have two different roles. I have a day job and then I have something that I kind of do on the side, which is a podcast called definitely not fine. And it's all around kind of a Christian perspective on emotional management and thought, uh, thought life skills. And, uh, my day job is actually, um, I work at an adult correctional institution or an adult jail, uh, with male violent offenders. And I teach programming there around life skills, how to do life without violence. Right. <laughs> Which is harder than you might think. Sure. And an important <laughs> skill to have. Yes. <laughs> um, your podcast, you said is called definitely not fine. Yes. Where can people find that? Um, on most platforms, really, um, on iTunes, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play Music, I think it's on, lots of places. And you also have a Facebook page for it, yes. I believe, yep. and an Instagram one as yep. well? both at the handle, um, Definitely Not Fine. So I got to ask, where did the name Definitely Not Fine come from? I actually had polled some of my friends. Okay. <laughs> That's where that came from. Interesting. I was, um, I have a kind of a little bit of a book that I've written and, um, I was having trouble coming up with the title. So I made a little poll on Facebook and had my friends kind of choose for me. Okay. So, cause they said from a, a female perspective, well, cause the book was on really anger and it's hard to make the topic of anger approachable to women. Um, so they had kind of come up with the feedback. Well, I usually don't feel fine. So okay. <laughs> I, I would pick up a book called definitely not fine. Okay. So, uh, you know, I might get in trouble for thinking this, mm. maybe my assumptions are wrong, but is it partly a little bit of a play on sort of the common refrain when you ask a woman who's angry, you know, what's wrong, honey? And she says, nothing. I'm fine. Yes. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, it's definitely not. Fine. Totally. Totally. Okay, yeah. So I'm not just making horrible sexist assumptions. Nope. Okay. No, no. Because for me that, um, hearing people kind of gloss over or really like lie about how they feel is, um, it really makes me angry. Okay. <laughs> and that's kind of where all this, I guess, passion for the, um, the area of emotions kind of came from. Okay. So your whole premise is basically that, you know, one of the worst things that we can do is stuff our emotions yes. and not find ways to uh, healthily express them and yeah. deal with them and manage them. So you want to come into that field or that area and sort of bring some wisdom and some expertise from your background and training. Also, uniquely for you coming at it from a Christian perspective, 
Um, so that's kind of an interesting, an interesting one because as you know, as Christians, we view our emotions uh, well differently. I guess depending on what kind of Christian background you come mm-hmm. from. In some Christian circles, um, emotions play a huge part of your faith. Yeah. And then in some other Christian backgrounds, emotions are really put to the side, and it's all about your thought life and truth and things like that. So you're trying to bring together the whole human complexity mm-hmm. that we're thinking and emotional beings and that these two things can fit together. There's a healthy way to manage them mm-hmm. now. Okay. So your background you said is as a worker in a jail mm-hmm. with violent offenders. Yes. Violent male offenders. Yeah. Yeah. So how in the world did you end up there? <laughs> uh, um, I, I really just fell into it. Um, okay. It was definitely you know, like for in Christianese, a work of God, because it wasn't my intention. It wasn't something I was really looking for. Okay. I honestly, I was still finishing grad school. I had my thesis still to do. My husband had gotten a job here in the Sioux, and there's not a lot of jobs for someone who's in grad school um, with their master's of psych. So, it was like, I really want to work. Yeah. <laughs> and what is available to right. me? So, um, thankfully the supervisor at the time, I had some like psychological testing background. Um, she really liked that. She thought I was very workable. And I think, honestly, I think that's why I got the job. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so, and I've been there, uh, for six years. Okay. Um, and I actually really enjoy working with the clientele. I never thought that I would because they're very challenging on a whole bunch of levels. Yeah, I can expect <laughs> you, you would imagine so, right? Yes. <laughs> Young, violent male offenders. Yeah, and, that's an interesting group. <laughs> and older ones, too. Okay. I've, I've had guys up into their 60s. Okay. It's it's not, uh, you don't get a lot of older individuals because the um, the life expectancy of an offender is not very long, usually. Right, right. So we don't get a lot of older guys, but they do come through and um, they have a lot of the same problems as the younger ones. Fair enough, right. <laughs> So what has uh, working in that field, how has that changed some of what you learned in school? Like, did you find that the theories that you learned in school transferred to the job really easily? Or it's like there was definitely a learning curve and a way in which the, the hands-on of real life mm-hmm. mess became more challenging. It was, well, I'll give you a little bit of a framework. My background was actually in developmental psych with children. <laughs> okay. So, so it honestly had like very little to do um, with offenders who have their own really specific um, risks and needs. Mm-hmm. So it was entirely a learning curve. Like the only okay. thing I really knew what to do, like how to do was the psychological testing aspect of it. And I guess my knowledge of um, psychological research, like because in school, they really teach you like how to learn and how to critically think. And so I could kind of consume these large amounts of information, um, perhaps a bit more quickly because of that background. Okay, But it was all new. Yeah. (laughs) And okay, so if your studies were geared a lot towards early age, Mm -hmm. have you found that there's a correlation between, you know, adults who struggle with violence and criminal behavior, and you can sometimes trace it back to their childhood in one way or another. Have you found that to be a useful correlation or a useful, uh, like your studies applying in that regard at all? 
the so the interesting with thing with offenders is that the really big difference between them and what we call the pro-social world so uh, people who don't offend and break the law okay. um is the difference is their thinking like okay. they they think entirely differently than we do um, even the, the way they kind of frame who the victim in a situation is, is very different than how we would see the victim in a situation. Right. So for, so for a lot of the guys that I've worked with, um, like they certainly had their own kind of, I would say they didn't get the best start in life for perhaps 50 to 60% of the guys that I work with. Okay. But on the other hand, some guys had great families, went to private school, like had, you know, very pro-social families and they decided to go a very different way. Okay. So it, as much as it's it kind of a tendency to look to kind of the younger years and try and draw patterns, the only real pattern is the thinking. Like, so okay. from the criminal perspective is like, how can I get around the rules like by any means necessary. Right. right. <laughs> like here's the rule. Okay, I just want to like get around it. Like any any possible way that I can, you know, avoid adhering to this rule, I'm going to do it. Gotcha. Whereas everyone else is like, "Okay, here's the rule, here's the line. I'm not going to like I know where that boundary is. I'm not going to cross it." Right. Okay, so then I mean, that would speak a little bit more to a Christian worldview because hmm. a Christian worldview would say there's more to who you are as a person than mm -hmm. just your upbringing, right? You can have a good upbringing and turn out well. Mm -hmm. You can have a good upbringing, turn out poorly and vice versa, right? And it's because we would understand it's not just your experiences that shape you. It's also the fact that you're a sinner, yep. right? Now that might be not something that um, is easy to understand from a secular point of view, but being someone who's a, a Bible believing Christian mm -hmm. and a, is a counselor the right word to put it? I'm not exactly sure. Um, I use the term group facilitator. Okay. Um, I really like. Uh, I I I really teach skills is kind of the basis of it. Okay. I educate and teach skills. Right. And so those, that do you find that like that, that extra worldview that you can add to the skills that you've learned in your trade, because you're a person who understands God's word, and understands the sinful nature of the human heart. Do you find that adds? insight into what you do and gives extra clarity i think so i think it has brought a level of i hope kind of like a like a gracious way of interacting with offenders like as opposed to this just very like judgmental why can't you be a better person mm, right <laughs> because i'm fully aware that we are not able to be better people right. on our own so i feel like i can connect maybe differently with them and see them differently than someone who's just looking at like why won't you listen to the rules why will you know why right. won't you stop using substances yeah it's like i like i know why sure <laughs> like because you know we are all broken and and t like we all have this capacity to think egocentrically and to view ourselves as a victim and to you know like think the world revolves around us like we right. all have that capacity right it's just these individuals kind of take that thinking to the next level. Right. They're willing to act on it. Yes. Much more um, like without fear of consequence yep. the same way. So like the way I think of it is in the secular worldview, the dominant f way of framing the world is there's good people and bad people. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the secular worldview. Mm -hmm. A Christian worldview comes at it and says, actually, we're all sinners. Yeah. We're all capable of doing horrible things. All yeah. of us. And some of us, 
choose not to for a variety of reasons. Some mm-hmm. of them might just be social. Yep. Like we don't want to, the urge might be there. Some of that desire might be there, but we know it's socially unacceptable. Yes. So we won't do it. Yep. And then there are other people who are just a little more willing, let's say, to not bend to cultural whims or totally. what's deemed acceptable. Yep. So they let that evil a little bit more unchecked yes. come out of their lives. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's all, that's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm sure you probably can't share too many stories mm-hmm. about stuff that's gone on. It's confidentiality mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But I do have a little bit of curiosity. So. Sure. Well, I, I can talk generally. Okay. Like, just part of confidentiality is I never really specifics about any one individual. Right. But, like, you know, generally things that I've encountered are, are definitely things I can talk about. So you've encountered people that have committed murder. Yep. Correct? And sat down and talked to them. Yep. And sought to, what? Understand them? Help them? What's kind of your goal with someone like that? So, for example, I had a, um, a group of nine male offenders I just finished working with. We just ended one program. Four of them had committed murder of some sort. Okay. So, four out of nine. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty high percentage. Right. That's a little, that's a usually high for okay. one group. Um, but, yes, that's that's kind of the norm. I My job is to work with any sort of offender that comes through. And violent offenders, well, you can just kind of imagine the range of things that they've done. Sure. So my job when sitting down with them, so the, the goal of the program is to change behaviors, to reduce violence. Okay. My goal as, uh, as a Christian, as a human being, as someone who really does want to help not only them but society, because right. <laughs> there's that kind of dual role is to just do my best to meet them where they're at, to assess whether they want help, what area they want help in, and really to kind of just fill that need for them and help to build some sort of rapport or connection so that they can see that it is possible that someone will follow through on what they say. And I can't, there is someone I can build an actual like pro-social relationship with. Okay. So part of that also involves calling them on a lot of their um, lies that they tell. I see. Because that is, and, and challenging the thinking that comes up and any behavior that comes up to you. That's actually a huge part of building a relationship with an offender, which you might, it's kind of a, if, feels weird <laughs> to say that that's actually how you build relationship by and trust confronting is them. by confronting them on the things that they do because it actually helps them to build respect for you. Mm. Otherwise they view you as another victim, someone they can take advantage right, of. Right. That's what I was going to say. They can kind of manipulate, yep. figure out that they can steer the ship. Exactly. And so confronting them demands a sort of respect that they either have to recognize they're not just going to be able to manipulate you. Yep. And then it's up to them once they make that realization to decide, I'm not going to open up to this person because sure. they're, they have an agenda and I don't want it. Yep. Or maybe it could do the reverse. It could have them uh, want to open up and see you as somebody that they now trust and respect yep. to speak into their life or listen or whatever, right? Yes, exactly. Interesting. Yeah, it provides definitely the opportunity for that choice. And guys have gone either way. You know, either they'll shut down and refuse to, you know, tell me because to them I'm another suit, quote unquote, mm. um, even though I don't wear suits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, to me, I, to them, I'm in that category of people that they've written off. Okay. So there's that choice. I could, you know, they could put me in that category. Or yes, the opposite is that, you know what, this person is actually on 
on my level and I'm going to basically tell them it all. Right. right. So which is also an interesting position to be in <laughs> because then you receive all the things that they have to say. Right. Which can be very heavy. Yeah. Makes you wonder what it's like to be God. Yeah. <laughs> to, be, to be inside the mind and hearts of everyone at their deepest level. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we, as human beings, we can't even bear our own mm-hmm. innermost thoughts and feelings sometimes, let alone somebody else's. Yes. And uh, this is why we need God, right? We yeah. Need his help in these matters. Yeah. It's a real dark place inside for, right. for I would say uh, just about everyone. <laughs> okay. So here's another question. So you do this professionally working mm-hmm. with uh, violent offenders. And then on the side, you've got this podcast that is not intended for violent offenders. No. Generally speaking, I suppose there could be some. They could listen. You never know. Yes. right? But I'm, that's not who you're thinking of. Generally speaking, when no. you turn on your microphone, no. you're thinking of, uh, law-abiding citizens Mm -hmm. if you want to put it that way Mm -hmm. so how did that connection happen like how did you go from you know working with these people to taking some of those skills and knowledge and wanting to bring it to a wider audience Uh, what made you want to do that what made you feel like the message was able to carry over Mm. to a new audience well so great question i think the where it's like where the desire started to kind of carry the message on is just the kind of the disconnect that i saw with a lot of really specifically christians and their own kind of internal experience like and because of that lack of awareness and you know skill development really kind of destroying their lives in a lot of ways okay <laughs> like whether it was you know making the decision to turn from god um based on whatever kind of feelings they had or whether it was you know people having affairs or breaking up marriages or families or th- like making these huge decisions just based on you know the feeling of being dissatisfied mm. like with where they are in life like, like people making these kind of catastrophic decisions right. because they've maybe made some choices that have, you know, brought them to a place they're not happy with. Right. So I, I felt like it's like not only within the criminal population is there this lack of information and awareness about the impact of our feelings, the fact we have feelings, what those feelings are, what right. they really do to us if we either suppress them or let them run wild. I, I saw that very same thing just with regular pro-social people Yeah, and, and it having just about the same devastating effect. So there's more than one way to destroy your life mm-hmm. or there's more than one way to self implode. Yes. You know, and we look at, let's say a criminal who's done, you know, you talk about murder or rape mm-hmm. or these kinds of things. And we think, man, those people, like I would never do that. But the root of it might lead us to do other things. The the same root springs forth in different ways. Yes. And for them, it's a very socially unacceptable way for us. We have our own socially acceptable sins that we cling to as believers or we feel like are tolerable. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not horrific. And I find like Jesus even brought it home to, you know, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've Mm -hmm. committed murder against them. And he sees, you know, dislike for or i guess hatred for somebody and murdering them mm-hmm. has the same root yes is that like it's connected at the base level of the heart yeah so you kind of see that same connection and feel like you know i can take my understanding of these um you know how emotions connect to the decisions that we make mm-hmm. and speak into that in a helpful way for people so what's kind of 
What's kind of the theme then of your podcast? What's the driving purpose of what you're trying to do? Well, so from my perspective, like, and I see emotions not only having an effect on the choices that we make and often driving poor choices, um, but also having an effect on like the way that we kind of walk out our relationship with Christ. Uh, I all too often I kind of see people drifting or kind of self, like isolating. I, I you know almost use the word tel- self isolating. That means something yeah. different now. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like but like emotionally isolating f- really from from God in a lot of ways just because of how they feel, right? Like perhaps if they have anger or bitterness about the, something that's happening in, you know, their life situation, they'll kind of almost reflect that on God and kind of cause their, you know, to be distanced there. Okay. So that's kind of, you know, what's born out of, or what's kind of created this. Um, I, I guess that what I'm trying to say is the, the aim of the podcast would be to help Christians better understand what's going on inside themselves so that they can kind of, see their unique situation as a, as a Christian in relationship with God differently. Right. So not kind of as attached to the ebbs and flows of emotions, mm. but something kind of separate from that. Okay. That's kind of like immune to, you know, the everyday, you know, ups and downs that right. we have. Yeah. I mean, human beings are complex, mm-hmm. right? They're not, we're not simple machines. Mm-hmm. We are a, a strange combination of our emotional life our thinking patterns, our experiences, our personalities, all these different things. And so part of how we can best live out our faith in the real world is to figure out, you know, how these things interplay, I guess, with one another and how we can continue to serve God, Mm -hmm. love him and love others as best as we can, even though our emotions in particular don't always lean that way, right? It's not like you roll out of bed first thing in the morning and think, I love God and I love people and I can't wait for the day. (laughs) Like most people, that's not your emotional default, no, right? So because we're sinners, that, I mean, this is my theological understanding. Mm -hmm. Sin affects our emotions as well. Like we're broken people Mm -hmm. in every way. Mm -hmm. And therefore we have to, I guess, learn how to manage that and, and allow god's work in our lives as well as living by the truth and not just by our emotions so what are some i guess key things that you see repeated over and over especially amongst christians like mistakes when it comes to their emotional life do you think like is there one or two things that come to your mind right away as like oh here's something i see christians doing all the time Mm -hmm. that's not healthy when it comes to their emotions. Mm-hmm. Well, the the two kind of, and I think you kind of um, highlighted them earlier, is that there's kind of two extremes to like the way to mismanage our emotions. So there's the extreme of like stuffing everything, mm-hmm. pretending that everything's okay, not allowing yourself to experience very real emotions as they come up. Right. That's kind of one extreme. And then normally that leads to kind of like explosions, of mm. those emotions because where, it builds because it builds yeah because emotions don't go away right and we only have so much of an emotional capacity to kind of deal with and handle life and if if that capacity is full it's gonna like leak out onto really the people around us right so that's kind of one 
extreme of emotional mismanagement. And then the other one would be kind of just, like you said, allowing whatever emotional experience to be like larger than life and like really drive all their decisions. And there's like no kind of control that comes with it. Okay. It's like, I feel this way. Therefore everything in life is this way. Right. It reminds me very much of like a, like a preteen or a teenager, right? Like just that developmental stage of like, I feel, you know, like I feel really sad. Therefore life is over. Right. It was the first thing I thought of when you were talking (laughs) is I'm in youth ministry. You were a volunteer in our youth group for a while. So we've seen this firsthand where, You know, something small happens and then the kid's running out of the room crying Mm -hmm. and it's like Mm -hmm. the end of the world because, you know, her crush didn't like him or like her back or what, you know, silly little things in the grand scheme of things. They're not a big deal. But in the moment, that emotional experience tells you otherwise. Yeah. So you've got really emotional people Mm -hmm. who who let it loose and they let it control their lives. Mm -hmm. And you've got people who they're still emotional, but they pretend like they're not. They stuff it try to figure out other ways to deal with things or maybe just not deal with it. Mm -hmm. Usually not deal with it. Right. So here's a, I guess here's a question then. Can you even control your emotions? Is this within your power to do, or are we just beholden to these experiences? Hmm. Well, it's a really interesting kind of theoretical question, (laughs) whether we have control over, you know, our lives in general, aspects of our lives, like, you know, the role of, um, you know, free choice and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think the, so there's, there's a lot that kind of goes into like an um, individual emotional experience. So it, it, from a cognitive behavioral approach, um, emotions come from individual thoughts that we have. Like there's no emotion we experience without there first being a thought that okay. comes before it. So, you know, the situations happen and we kind of bring in that information and then we have some sort of thought about it and that's where the emotion comes from. So in a way, we have influence over our thoughts. Like we can kind of, kind of separate ourselves, remind ourselves it's just a thought, it's okay, there's no danger, whatever that is, right? Like we do have, if we're older than 14, then we have this ability to kind of step back and evaluate our thoughts um, which is called metacognition. And so in a way we can influence our thinking once we've kind of developed that. Cause we can step back. We say, Oh, this is a weird thought I'm having. Okay. <laughs> this is perhaps a sinful thought I'm having. Right. Sure. And take a step back and we can kind of evaluate and that might kind of like head off an emotional reaction. So we can influence in a way, but at the same time, like we have thoughts that just kind of arise like that are very much outside of our kind of control. Like for a lot of people, what that might look like is, you know, perhaps you're going about your day, you're not really thinking about anything in particular, you're not really engaging in anything terrible, and you might actually have just a very terrible thought. You might have some urge of some sort or desire, and you're like, like, where did that come from? Like, I w- I'm going about my day grocery shopping, yeah. <laughs> and bam, it just kind of hits me, right? And that might bring on some kind of emotions with it, right? So like, in that sense, that's, that's very kind of outside of our control, is that we're going to have thoughts that just kind of come up. And I, and from, I think, our perspective is a lot of those kind of darker thoughts that just kind of pop up, That like that comes from our sinful nature. Sure. Like that's kind of, 
as you could say, like born into us. Right. And, and in, in a lot of ways, we can't, well, in all ways, we can't control that. Right. We can influence it by either allowing it to stay there and to kind of ruminate and kind of like build power. Or we can, again, kind of separate ourselves, say, okay, well, that was just a weird thought. You know, obviously there's A, B, and C reasons why I'm not going to do that. And I can think about other things, do other things, and and influence maybe the impact of that feeling. Mm -hmm. So maybe the word control is not the right word. Mm -hmm. You can't control your emotion Mm -hmm. the way you can, let's say, control the way your arm moves. Yeah. Right? You're like, move up, move down, go left, go right. Yes. You can't do that with your emotion, right? Be happy, be calm, or whatever. Yeah. But because your emotion is tied to a prior thought, mm-hmm. like an idea, something yep. comes into your head yep. that triggers the emotion, you do have at least some ability to control your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the fact that sometimes you have thoughts that spring forth from your nature. Mm-hmm. You can't stop that from happening. But what you could do mm-hmm. is change how you handle it. Yep. Right. So you can choose to let that thought linger mm-hmm. dwell on it mm-hmm. or you can choose to challenge it mm-hmm. i mean it made me think of uh, when you were talking the scripture to set your mind on things above because mm. that assumes you have the ability mm-hmm. to do that yes that you can actually take your mind and focus it on something mm-hmm. rather than something else yes so that is the way that we don't necessarily control our emotions mm-hmm. but we can influence them through thoughts yes right so Okay, so if we can't really um, control them, we can only really influence them. You know, what are some of the key things that we need to be doing in terms of training our mind, training our thought patterns uh, to challenge? Like when you have mm-hmm. a thought that, like, let's say you, the idea comes into your head, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worthless. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that I, I deal with a lot with young people. Yeah. They struggle a lot with feeling not valuable. And so that idea comes in their head. They get an emotional connection with it, which is always very, very negative. Sure. And then they sometimes just, you know, fuel that pattern of thinking. I mean, how Mm -hmm. do you break Mm -hmm. out of that? What do you do? That's that's a great question because you first have to want to break out of that is really where to start. And a lot of the work that I like that I do at the jail is around just motivation for wanting to change. Why do you think somebody would not want to? Well, because there's also a lot of benefits that come to kind of that self-pity, feeling badly about oneself, um, kind of berating oneself in front of other people. Like you get a lot of compassion from people and Mm. you get a lot of um, kind of, you know, like the counter feedback like people trying to encourage and build you up Mm. and you might start to rely on that from other people. So it's like a negative way of getting attention or getting what you want out of people. Sure. Right. Sure. Okay. So, um, if, if that's not the way to handle it, (laughs) (laughs) right. If, if the thought process of, you know, feeling like you're worthless, making you feel really lousy about yourself, Mm -hmm. I mean, the, let's say you've got the de- you've got the desire to get out of that. Mm-hmm. You want to. Let's just I'm just for the sake of argument, sure. assuming Assume. that that desire yeah. is there. Like I don't want to be like this. Yeah. Uh, what would that person do? What can they do? Well, the the first place I like to start is always just by asking oneself questions. Okay. So it's always good to ask yourself like, where did that thought come from? 
um, is always a really good one. Perhaps it's, um, I was watching something, I was watching something that was sad, right? Perhaps there was a character who was reflecting the same types of insights and it just kind of triggered that same kind of thought in myself, right? So, you know, did that come from that situation? Should I maybe change what I'm consuming? Mm. right is is really interesting so it for example if I find myself having a lot of thoughts around like having an affair with someone like am I consuming a lot of material about other people who are cheating right right like am I allowing kind of those doors to be open in the things that I'm consuming are you thinking of things kind of like movies sure that por- yeah that portray yep. you know uh that they're you know there's this love life out there yep. that you don't have you yes. look at your own marriage and you think or boyfriend girlfriend whatever yep. your own relationship and think well this doesn't look anything yes like it does on the movies yeah and i want that mm-hmm. and then you s- begin to feel this dissatisfaction mm-hmm. pushing you towards looking elsewhere for yep. that kind of you know euphoria or whatever it is sure. you think is waiting on the other side sure so the influences that we surround ourselves with are pretty important yeah and I think that's a really good place to start is you know am I consuming a lot of material around the same thing because it it really is the things we listen to the things we watch the things we read are super impactful like even just think like you could be on Facebook scrolling for like a couple minutes and like come off of that super angry (laughs) like it really has the capacity what are you talking about (laughs) that never happens to me (laughs) like it's like (laughs) the things we consume can trigger emotional reactions really quickly right. like it doesn't even need to be some like a long conversation with someone or like a full movie or like like it could just be like a headline right and suddenly sure. we're just like fuming something that sets you off yes yeah so that could be one thing right where did this feeling come from and then I always just like to take a step back and as I tell the guys in my group like think through the consequences of where that action is going to lead. Like Mm -hmm. actually like allow yourself to play that tape all the way through. Like what would that action, um, not just the action itself look like, but afterwards, like what is the aftermath that's going to come from that? Right? Like, so for example, if, if the thought is around like taking your life, Like, don't just imagine this, like, relief and release that's going to come from it. Look at all the hurt that that's going to cause. Right. Right? So that's kind of one. And, and, you know, and if you allow that emotion to work on you rather than this kind of excitement at this decision you're making, then then it would influence you in a different direction. Gotcha. Now, it wouldn't just be movies Mm -hmm. and music and, you know, sort of culture around us. It would also include the people sure. that we surround ourselves with. Sure. Can you speak to a little bit the importance of who we allow to surround, like who we uh, you know surround ourselves with and allow to influence us, friends and family wise? Yes. Well, the interesting you say that the kind of the outside influences is um, we do like this risk assessment tool at work, and it show it's supposed to show us how at risk someone is to offend again in the future. Like, what risk do they pose to the community? And one of the sections is on the companions, like who they actually hang around with. Right. Is um is one of the big indicators of whether they're going to commit crimes again in the future. 
so it's it's a huge even you know the the research research so shows from that perspective it's it influences in a huge way what we do right whether we have people again from the offending perspective if we have people that encourage us to offend and hurt other people, or if we have people that are saying like, no, 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 that's ridiculous. <laughs> you're going to hurt people and you're going to mess up your life. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like those two influences are, are huge, especially if the, the, the hurtful influences are the people who are closest to you because like, that's like, that's your inner circle, right? Whether it's your spouse or whether it's, you know, um, like a close family member that you trust, that sort of thing. Like those are usually the opinions that carry the most weight. Um, so if they're kind of moving us in a certain direction, it's going to be a lot harder to say no, I think. Right. And to kind of stand out from that because those are the people you care most about. So, and it does matter a lot, right? That we surround ourselves with people who, as you said earlier, um, care about us enough to challenge us or call us out on sinful or wrongful, you know, thinking patterns Mm -hmm. or just challenge. Well, the the phrase I think of is challenge your assumptions. Mm -hmm. And I got that phrase from a book that I had read on self injury. Cause we at one point we had a whole bunch of kids in our youth group Mm. that were cutting themselves. And, you know, I did not understand this phenomenon very well and I needed to learn about it. Uh, I never struggled with it myself. So I was like, I got to figure this out. And I read a book called Hope and Healing for Kids Who Cut. Mm. And it was fantastic in terms of explaining the fact that what drives this negative behavior is they have, you know, a a, a thought like you talked about and it goes unchecked. Mm -hmm. There's other people around them. Nobody around them is actually challenging the way they're thinking. So what it was trying to, what the book was trying to do for someone like me was equip me to see the thought patterns in their lives and challenge them, mm-hmm. right? To say, well, are you really worthless? You know, mm-hmm. is your life really that bad? Yep. It, you know, have you really been abandoned or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is specifically that I could see they were allowing to take root. Mm-hmm. So challenging the assumptions, that's maybe one, uh, what's the way to put it? <sighs> like how you assess whether someone's good or bad for your life mm-hmm. is are they willing to tell you the hard stuff? Sure. Challenge you on what you're thinking and feeling. Sure. You need those kind of people, right? Yes. And I think it's all too easy to kind of go the other way and just surround yourself with people who agree with you and right. who are afraid of conflict and who are afraid to bring thing, you know, hard things up. Like I think, and even to like consume like literature and those sorts of things that just make us feel good. Mm. Right. That just kind of like, you know, make us feel relieved or accepted for this problem that we have, as opposed to putting the responsibility on us to actually make those changes. I see. Yeah. It sounds like it's a lot of hard work. It is. Our emotional life is a (laughs) lot of hard work. (laughs) It is. And it requires constant tending, daily tending. Do you think that's why people struggle so much with it? Yes. Because the (laughs) easiest thing to do is, is just let it control you. Like just give into it. Sure. Or maybe to try to manage it with unhealthy ways, like rather than surrounding yourself with people who are going to challenge you, mm-hmm. rather than challenging your own thinking patterns, you just eat junk food sure, <laughs> yes. or sleep in or whatever it could be, right? Like yeah. the temporary fix. Yeah, because as you're saying it, it sounds awful. <laughs> like yeah. the, the emotional sounds management exhausting. sounds awful. <laughs> Why would I want to put all that work in? Right. But it's good for you long term yes maybe it's kind of like exercise so to speak 
It's kind of like exercise for your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. It's not much fun to go for a 30 minute run mm-hmm. or whatever. You, at that moment, mm-hmm. it's not an enjoyable experience, but it will give you a long term mm-hmm. healthy life. Yeah. Theoretically, right? Theoretically. Yes. And in the idea too that, at least from my pers- like my personal perspective is like I'm I'm doing my best to make these choices to manage myself so that, you know, I can not only myself have, you know, a long term emotional health, make good choices, but also so that, you know, my family can kind of reap the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And and people who don't know Christ can reap the benefits of that. Right? right. Like like so they can actually look at, you know, a Christian's life and say, hey, they're actually like doing what they can to follow Christ. Right. Or like actually like obviously it's not all under my own strength, but like my goal is to try and do what I can. So that makes me think of, you know, one of the most unique emotional facets i think of a believer's life that is distinct from the experience of a non-believer would be our ability to have joy in the midst of hardship Mm -hmm. joy in suffering that's a category sort of that the world really doesn't understand because mainly i think it's true that people of uh non-christian worldview they allow their emotions to follow their circumstances sure. by and large. Sure. And there are some times when it's just true that your circumstances kind of stink. Yep. <laughs> like the, sometimes that's just true. Yep. And yet we uh, have the ability to challenge those with, I mean, we, we, one unique resource we have as Christians is to say my circumstances don't dictate my entire existence. Yep. Right. I still have God with me. I still have a hope in the future that is, you know, untainted and will never mm-hmm. be taken away. So you can have hope in things beyond what's in front of you as an immediate experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me think of what we're going through right now with the COVID-19 pandemic, with this pretty much this whole year, 2020 <laughs> being like just kind of a train wreck you know, <laughs> that we're all experiencing together. And it's only halfway done. <laughs> you know, it's really, it's, you look at the circumstances for many people Mm -hmm. and they're not good. Like there's sickness. People have lost jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people are isolated and feeling very lonely. Mm -hmm. How do you challenge those kind of emotions when it feels like it's pretty hard to look on the bright side? Sure. You know, it doesn't feel like there is a whole lot of a bright side. It feels like my circumstances are inescapable. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you begin to tackle that? Well, I think uh, a big part of tackling that is to allow yourself to feel sad, to feel lonely, to feel things that come up because like you said, like these are our very real circumstances, things we've never experienced before. So it's going to bring up probably a range of emotions that maybe we're not used to feeling because usually we have our routine and we have our things that we do and things that make us feel really good, right? right? And we just kind of have more limited access to those things right now. So I think part of it is is kind of the acceptance that I'm not always going to feel great. And that's okay because again, my like temporary emotional state isn't going to dictate, you know, my walk with God or, or, um, how I participate in the things that I can do. Mm. So I think that's really the first place to start is that, you know, if, if you feel angry because you're limited, that's okay. Mm. Right. We're not going to certainly exaggerate that beyond all limits and, you know, get angry at God and angry at the world and angry at all these other things. Cause 
put it in perspective, right? Like it makes sense to feel angry that you can't, you know, buy something your kid needs. Like right. that could feel frustrating right. <laughs> when your kid's upset about it. Right. Right. So like to, to acknowledge that, you know what, I'm, I'm possibly feeling lonely and then asking yourself, okay, like what would maybe me help? What would help me feel more connected to others? Like, is there a way to kind of work within the limitations that I've been given so that maybe I can augment that feeling with other things okay doesn't mean to like cut off the loneliness pretend i don't have it right because if we pretend we don't have it we're never going to do anything about it right we're going to keep ourselves isolated we're going to keep ourselves you know pitying you know our our circumstances and telling ourselves we can't do anything to change it as opposed to kind of allowing it to work effectively in our lives to bring about some change so to some degree it's okay i don't know if the right word is accept it that you feel a mm-hmm. negative way, but at least acknowledge it. Yes. And uh, just recognize that it's real, that yep. God gave us the capacity to feel negative emotions, yes. to feel sorrow or anger or grief, etc. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily to wallow in those things, mm-hmm. but, you know, to admit, well, I'm definitely not fine. Yep. Like, it's okay <laughs> to sometimes just not be okay. Yes. And, you know, I that's my experience as I've been talking to different people you know, who are isolated from people, mm-hmm. their, their, their life's been turned upside down for mm-hmm. one reason or another because of the stuff going on in the world. And many people are just like, you know, honestly, I'm not really doing that good, yes. you know, and it's okay yep. to be there. I mean, we don't want to necessarily stay there. Mm-hmm. We don't want to, we don't necessarily want to dwell on that, but to admit that that's a reality mm-hmm. is a healthy place to start. Yes. And then begin to figure out what can I do yep. to do, you know, to do the best I can to live a full and happy life. Mm-hmm. What opportunities might there be, etc. Um, yeah. Okay. So to somebody who might be listening, maybe they're feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're feeling like, yeah, some of the things you're talking about, I am experiencing. I am frustrated because, you know, different circumstances have closed doors in my life that sure. used to be open and. Uh, maybe financially, mm-hmm. a lot of people are having a hard time, job losses and things like that. How can we, uh, like what kind of maybe practical things mm-hmm. might you want to encourage those people to do? Mm-hmm. Like actual action steps they can take. Yeah. I think a good place to start is to remind ourselves of the promises of God because like he, he is consistent (laughs) or, you know, our daily circumstances change. And, and even if there wasn't a pandemic, like there's no, you know, guarantee that our spouse isn't going to pass away next week or that our kid isn't going to get sick, right? Like there's always this uncertainty that just comes with life and there's a lot of pain that comes with it too. And so I think kind of reminding ourselves of, you know, his consistency, the fact that he does know the ending to all of this (laughs) and it's well within his control, I think is a good place to start because I think sometimes we get wrapped up in um, kind of, again, that sense of, well, I want control of what's happening. And if I made the rules, then I would reopen in a better way and all these things, right? Um, but that's not true. <laughs> we wouldn't make mistakes. Too. We would all and be a bumbling fool. <laughs> yes. Cause that's, again, that's just our nature. Um, so I think it is good, like you said, to set your sights higher, um, than just 
kind of what's going on in our kind of immediate circumstances. And I know that might sound like um, kind of a, a, a Christian-y way, or, you know, fluff way of looking at things. But I think it is really true to remember that we are not in control and that's a good thing. Mm. <laughs> um, because then we're going to, if we actually acknowledge that truth and actually kind of live through it we're not going to try to do all these things to kind of re-get that control back right like it's, it's not going to feel so chaotic and it's not going to feel so like like we're powerless in a bad way okay so one way to put it uh again this is the pastor in me coming yeah out. like your theology matters mm-hmm. in the sense of what you believe to be true yeah. about god about his sovereign control mm-hmm. about his presence in the midst of anything you're going through mm-hmm. his as you put his promises mm-hmm. uh to give you the strength you need to be using bad things for good i mean there's all kinds mm-hmm. of promises in god's word mm-hmm. that you know we can lean on in a time of when our emotions are telling us otherwise sure so maybe that's one of the really key ways to succeed I hate to use that word, but mm-hmm. to succeed at the Christian life mm-hmm. is to recognize that, you know, your emotions are there by God put them there. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, it's it's OK to fully acknowledge all the different range of mm-hmm. emotion that we have. But we can't let that dictate what's true. Mm-hmm. We have to allow God's word to speak into those things um, so that well, this is challenging your assumptions yep. from the outside. Yep. Because maybe you don't have that power within your own mind. Sure. So you got to invite God's word in. Sure. To be that challenger. Yeah. Um, good. Okay. And, and, and with, that, with that too is just from a practical standpoint, if anyone's not sure of how to remind themselves of that is that you, you could, you know, it's helpful to have kind of outside reminders. So like you said, to actually kind of dig into the word and use that as a reminder, like reading, like physically reading, it can be one. Um, another could be if you have certain verses, certain statements that are helpful to you, you could post them in places you're going to see them. It's a good practical like, suggestion. Yeah. Like, you know, if, you know, when you're in the car with your kids and they're driving you nuts, like <laughs> maybe have something it like on your flip down. <laughs> A mirror <laughs> to remind you i think i need that verse <laughs> um like like just in those in those places where you know it's going to be difficult to actually have physical reminders can be a really great place because again we we don't always have that capacity or that emotional range in the moment maybe to bring that verse to mind or that statement to mind but if we can see it Sometimes that can kind of just reset us and just remind us even to to slow down, to breathe, maybe use some other skills to kind of de-escalate. So reminders can be really good things. And then the other part to that is um, something called self-talk. Is we just we have a lot of stuff that runs through our brains all day long, and it's good to kind of change that channel sometimes because it can be overwhelming. Um, and it can feel heavy sometimes. So to, to even just start to internalize those verses or those whatever prayers, whatever it is that's helpful to you, um, keep it short, keep it simple, and keep it something that you can bring to mind when you're having a difficult time. Tell me a little bit more about that phrase you used, mm-hmm. self-talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I mean, I think I know what you mean. And I think I do this a lot. Mm-hmm. Except I know I do because when I self-talk, I talk. I actually talk out loud to myself. Okay. Sure. (laughs) Sure. I do it a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, you tell me a little bit like, what is it you are kind of getting at in terms of self-talk? What is it you're 
describing and what is mm-hmm. uh, what is the intended purpose of it so yeah so it can look a few different ways it can look like talking to yourself out loud um usually it's best used when you use your own name yeah. almost <laughs> like you're talking like someone else is talking to you but you're the one doing it okay it's it's basically just it, it is telling you again it's thinking about your thinking it's kind of bringing yourself Some self-awareness yeah bringing yourself outside of those kind of immediate emotional thoughts and bring a little bit of perspective to what's going on. So it can look like, you know, if I use my own name, like, calm down, May. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> right, guy? Yeah. Like, like, if I was a child and a parent were speaking to me, those are the words that I'm going to say to myself. Right. Just, again, to, to slow down the situation, to check some of those assumptions that I might be experiencing and just remind myself that although I'm maybe feeling overwhelmed or feeling something really big, it's going to pass. It will be okay. And you can kind of get through this moment. Okay. Like in a lot of ways, it really is just kind of like this, like talk, like not talking down in a bad way, but talking yourself down. Right. Because we can get really kind of quick in our minds, right? We have really quick thoughts. And so if we can just kind of do things to slow down that thinking, um, it can go a long way in terms of not choosing hurtful behaviors. I mean, I feel like we're almost coming almost full circle back Mm -hmm. to an earlier concept we talked about, about your emotions coming from thoughts. Mm -hmm. And what you're basically uh, describing, it sounds like to me, is once you know that, Mm -hmm. I mean, you you need to know that your emotions spring from thought life yes if you know that yep you can be conscious of that yep hence when a emotion begins to overtake you mm-hmm. you can have the ability to recognize okay i'm getting out of hand yep. like my anger is welling up and yep. i feel like i'm gonna blow mm-hmm. and i know that that is coming from a thought that you know and you should be able hopefully with some maybe skill or practice yeah, to identify practice. Yeah. the thought yeah and then challenge it like you yes. were saying Okay, self, you know, listen yep, up here. Basically. You're losing it. Yep. And this is going to be not permanent. Yep. This is not going to last. Yep. Things are going to get better. Just take a chill pill. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to yeah. talk to yourself. But in order for, to be successful, it feels like you have to know how this works. You got to understand your emotions come from thoughts. Yes. And then attack the thought, mm-hmm. which can influence the emotion. Yeah. Am I getting that right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Because when I start to use that self-talk, like the helpful self-talk of it's okay, you'll be fine. This will pass that sort of thing. Um, it will start to bring down the emotional experience. So I like to think of like emotions as waves, like they come in all different shapes and sizes, right? Some are big, some are small, some are little tiny ripples. Um, is that the big ones are, are harder to handle. They're harder to manage. Well, right. It's not that we can't manage them with a lot of skill. It's just that they're really hard to do that so if we can kind of make smaller waves in life like not everything is a huge tsunami then it's going to be better we're going to be better capable of handling that so if I can self-talk a big wave into something smaller (laughs) then I'm going to be I'm much more capable of of managing the outcome of that right gotcha yes okay um I like this. Uh, we're getting close to uh, needing to wrap up, um, but this is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, th- I feel like I could just talk this stuff all day. It's, sure. You know the the. I do talk pattern. this stuff yeah, all day. Yeah, you do talk. That's right. <laughs> um, you know what? What I feel like. Um, again, I can't help but think of these things from a pastoral perspective. 
you know, the idea of self-talk and taking God's word and, and using it to challenge your own assumptions. That's what the Bible means when it uses the word meditation, mm. meditate. Like in Psalm 1, you know, the man is successful who uh, meditates on God's word day and night. And what that means, like the, this concept of it, it actually is almost what you're describing in non-Christian Bible language, <laughs> self-talk. Mm-hmm. It's like taking a truth which maybe you got from God's word, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that things that God's in control of this, I'm not alone. It's going to be okay. I mean, these are truth claims that are connected or they're, they come from scripture in one form or another. And you can take those things from scripture and apply it to your thought pattern mm-hmm. all day long. You don't necessarily yep. have to have a Bible in yep. front of you. I mean, if you can memorize verses, I think that can help, but to at least know in principle, some of those concepts, those truths from God's word. That's mm-hmm. what scripture is talking about, meditating. It's like when things come into your mind, you can take the truth that you've been armed with and let it kind of like take over your thinking. Mm-hmm. And through that process, as you described, kind of slow down that big wave mm-hmm. that comes in, whether it's anger or sorrow or whatever sure. the wave may be. But you can kind of tame it a little bit mm-hmm. um, and allow it to exist, but yep. not take over. Yep that kind of align with what you're saying more or less. Yeah. Yeah. I like that summary. It definitely, we want it to exist because it's there to tell us something like there's some, if we're feeling this way, something about our lives is probably off. Mm. Like we're probably not managing something. We're maybe not communicating very well. Maybe we're not like feeding very like necessary needs that we have. Right. Like maybe we've gone without sleep for a long time or maybe, you know, we, we need time to ourselves, right. To recharge. And we're just not allowing those things in. If, you know, if we're not listening to what the feelings are trying to tell us, we're going to miss all that information. Mm. So definitely letting them exist is important, but I get, but we don't want them to take the driver's seat right? <laughs> because, because they are not good drivers yeah. <laughs> and they always head for the ditch. Yeah. Well put. <laughs> Very well put. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your podcast is coming out uh, every week. Is that correct? Yep, it's every a weekly, Saturday. Yeah. Every Saturday. So you have anything upcoming that you want to tease here for a minute or uh, got an idea of where your podcast is going in the coming, coming weeks here? That would be a great idea if I did. Oh, I see. <laughs> I'm far too kind of uh, fly by the seat of my pants, come up with it the week of kind of thing. Okay, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> it's like all good. whatever um, piques my interest that week okay. seems to be it. That's all right. Yes. At some point in the future, I do want to do one on grief, but I don't feel like I'm quite there yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. So pay attention for that one. Yeah. It's coming. Uh, in the meantime, though, I know you've covered all kinds of really interesting topics, a uh, very wide range of topics. Mm-hmm. So... Again, want to remind uh, our listeners to visit the Definitely Not Fine podcast. Should be available on pretty much anywhere you listen to yes. podcasts. And uh, follow it on social media so you can make sure you're reminded of updates and those kind of things. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for uh, being here today. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Jer. It's All been right. great. Good stuff. Well, this has been our podcast for the week. And I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to check out the Definitely Not Fine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, until next time, God bless.